Welcome to Newcastle Libraries Real. Newcastle Libraries can be accessed from wherever you live with the Newcastle Library app. Put borrowing at your fingertips. I invite you to close your eyes and imagine. Imagine that there are no buildings, no roads, no cars, just the trees, plants, animals and the very first storytellers of this land, the Awabakal and Waramai people. So I acknowledge them as the traditional custodians of this beautiful land in which we live. Welcome to Laughter and Tears by Newcastle Libraries Real, hosted by ABC broadcast journalist Dan Cox. The Laughter and Tears podcast series invites members of our community living with dementia to share their experiences of love, loss, courage and hope. It provides current information from medical experts and looks at dementia services available in the Hunter region and beyond. Welcome to this podcast, Laughter and Tears, Living with Dementia. My name's Dan Cox. I'm a journalist and radio presenter with ABC Newcastle. The first episode is called, How Do I Know If I Have Dementia? You'll hear from Professor Sue Curl. She's a geriatrician and researcher at Sydney University. She places the person living with dementia at the heart of her research and advocacy. She was also the lead researcher for the ABC TV documentary series, old people's home for four-year-olds, which looked at how kids could have a positive influence on older adults in aged care homes and the other way around, of course, as well. Check it out on ABC iView if you haven't seen it yet. Professor Curl, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dan. In this episode, you'll also hear from Rob and Alison Board, who will describe their journey with dementia. Welcome to the two of you as well. Well, thank you, Dan. Let's start with you, Sue. What is dementia? Ah, dementia, as the definition, dementia is a progressive, irreversible condition where you get impaired memory, impaired intellectual function, so thinking, um, and changes in personality and behaviour. And these changes all have an effect on function. And you often see, most often see short-term memory as the first sign of dementia, But you can see anxiety or depression, even before the memory problems. But lots of us get memory problems as we get older, and they're not necessarily dementia. If you're getting names of people, don't worry. That is absolutely normal. We often hear about Alzheimer's. Sue, where does that fit into the conversation about dementia? So the dementia is the generic term for problems with memory and thinking. Alzheimer's disease is the commonest cause in Australia. About 70% of people with dementia actually have Alzheimer's disease and we don't know the cause of it and we don't have a cure for it. But there are other causes as well. Certainly vascular dementia we hear about, one called dementia with Lewy bodies, which is related to Parkinson's disease, and uh, frontotemporal dementia. These are a bit less common, but they're still very much out there. And then, of course, we're hearing a lot about football-related or concussion-related brain damage. That also causes dementia. And we're seeing that in 50- and 60-year-olds. Is dementia just an older person's disorder? Dementia is much more common as we get older. So at 80, one in four people have it. At 90, it's one in two. But you can still get it when you're young. And my youngest patient was 31 
and six months pregnant when she came to us. She had a genetic mutation and that's very, very uncommon. But certainly people in their 40s and 50s and 60s can get dementia, often Alzheimer's disease or frontotemporal dementia. And it's very much an issue for them because they often have young families, they're still working. So while, yes, it is a disease of older people, you do see it in younger people as well. How do I know if I have dementia then, if you were saying not to be too worried about memory loss as a symptom? I think it is important to know that our brains change a bit as we get older. And I said before, it's okay if you forget names occasionally. It's when you forget the person to whom the name attaches, that is when you do have problems. We say that you can have memory problems, but if it doesn't affect your day-to-day function. So you can still drive and do the shopping and cook. Maybe you have to take a list when you go shopping. That's fine. It's when your memory problems and your thinking problems affect day-to-day function that you can be said to have dementia. And quite often people don't realise they've got problems and it's their families that pick up things aren't going well and will often bring them to, uh, to the doctors for a review. Have you got a loved one living with dementia? Memory kits can help stimulate memories and create conversation, connection and joy. Get yours now from Newcastle Libraries. Rob and Alison, thank you for being part of this conversation. When did you first notice something was wrong and what was it that you noticed? Oh, no, I just, I was stressed. Um, I was in a a job that was my, and this uh, friend of mine, he said, you know, come work to me and, you know, it's not much. Well, it was pretty, pretty big, <laughs> the job, and um, it's a bit stressy, and uh, those sort of things were so were not straight. Um, and I'd gone from from having previously had a lot of people that I could do the thing well. Uh, it wasn't there was there was a lot to do. It was it was a very very complicated. And and I just so I got I was sure about that, and I did a lot of it had to do it myself, rather mm. than in bigger countries where I why a lot of the stuff I was just not not doing it, but but I'm helping people and 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 helping to that which I had done before in bigger places. We probably noticed that his stress levels at work. He had a corporate job, and his stress levels at work were getting higher and he was sort of taking working harder, not smarter, taking longer hours to do the same amount of work and having a bit more difficulty with technology than he previously had. He was never great with it. He always had a lot of people around him helping him. All of those things we started to realise were kicking in and we thought they were stress-related and he changed jobs. The company that he'd been working for was taken over and so it was a choice that he changed jobs. Ultimately, we could have retired then, but he decided to keep on. And that was much more evident in a new situation that he was having all those difficulties. At that point, we just went to see a psychologist. He went to see a psychologist about stress management. And it was that was when she commented that maybe a cognitive assessment might be indicated. Rob, it sounds like your capacity changed a bit in terms of coping and things like that. How old were you? Well, put it this way, we... 
I don't know. I probably... We probably first noticed those difficulties at work in Rob's mid-50s and he retired soon after at 58 by choice. He always wanted to retire early. It wasn't a shock for us. He was quite delighted. I wasn't no, ready to retire. Good. But we made the best choice of our lives and, and left Sydney, retired and left Sydney. And, um, and then it was... We had a year where we just let it rest because we were excited and living a lovely new life. And, but it was very evident that Rob's memory, short-term memory, was becoming a problem. I had been a speech pathologist and so I was aware of all this kind of stuff. So after about a year, I started looking for some way of managing it and that led to the diagnosis. Were you frustrated by the length of time it took to get a diagnosis? No, not at all for us. We had quite a, probably a fairly unique situation in that because I understood about memory loss and memory and intervention I actually sought out a research study in Newcastle at the uni and Rob was assessed as a potential subject for that study but unfortunately at the time of the assessment a full day of assessment it was very evident to the people doing the testing that Rob had more than just memory loss and they made it very clear to us on that day that there was something very significant happening cognitively and without actually using the word dementia or Alzheimer's it was made very clear that that's probably what was the case and so we were immediately referred to Macquarie Uni Hospital for some amyloid PET scans to see what his amyloid levels were. And those results came back within a couple of weeks. So our diagnosis was all done very in a, within a very short period of time and not much had changed in our lives at that point. So it really wasn't a shock for a start and it also happened so quickly and then our life hadn't changed very much. So it wasn't really a worry at the time. And we kind of just set out on an education program really to find out what, was, what we could expect. And as Rob mentioned, his mum was diagnosed in her 80s with Alzheimer's and so we had kind of watched the progress of her disease as well so uh, it wasn't uh, anything that we were really frightened by or worried by. It mm. was upsetting and sad and still is. Sue, is early diagnosis and therefore early intervention, early treatment important for people who are diagnosed with dementia? I certainly believe it is important. There's a lot we can do actually at all stages of the disease, but I think the relief that people express when you say, look, I'm sorry, but I think you do have a touch of Alzheimer's, which is often the way I'll put it, um, because it is just a touch. And then I say, but there's all these things you can do. And it's not just drugs. We know that physical exercise is absolutely key to slowing functional decline. And we certainly see that in all the studies. So I think one of the things about getting in early is, as one person said to me, oh, thank goodness, I thought I was going mad they actually felt better knowing what it was and that they could do something about it. So there are things you can do. You can also prepare for the future. When you think, Alison, talking about your situation, maybe if you knew what was going on back when your husband was having the problems with function, because that's what it was, as you described beautifully, that he wasn't able to function in the way he always had, whether that would have changed you know, the future, you might have retired earlier, had a little more time to do things. But I think it's important that people can prepare for the future. 
My mum has Alzheimer's disease. My grandmother had it. Like you, Alison and Rob, we lived with it. So I'm used to seeing it. And I know that the effect, that exercise, that getting out and living your life, I think it's really important. And you made the comment that nothing much changed when you got the diagnosis. And I say to people, look, you're the same tomorrow or today as you were yesterday. The only difference is now you know what mm. is likely to be going on and mm. you can do something about it because it's diet, it's mental exercise as well as the physical exercise. It's getting out there and living life. And gee, it can make a difference. It's interesting you comment there because Rob, one of Rob's early comments was, well, it explains to people why I'm quirky. You know, he's always been a bit quirky, but he was a bit more quirky. And he would say, well, that explains to people when they might see me do something a bit different, it explains why. So he actually, he, he, that's the thing you said to me. Well, I had some good jobs. And the best one was when I, the one of the, the job, the last one that I took up, had enough of, of not, I was not caving when you put in this sort of things, that there are things that I did very well. And I came into a company and was there, you know, I really, really in, was good. And the, that last year was fantastic because I got a lot of, a lot of people um, in my um, department. Part, well, yeah, but no, it's a US company. So it was quite exciting at the same time. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I got through that all right. And I enjoyed it, in fact. Thanks for listening to Laughter and Tears. If you'd like to be part of the Memory Room to encourage conversation and connection with loved ones living with dementia, reach out to Newcastle Libraries. So, Rob and Alison, six years in now, what sort of support do you need? What do you have? What are you doing in retirement? Well, Sue's comment about exercise and socialising and eating well are absolutely our mantra. I'll go for Sue. So I, I'm into that and golf, tennis, art, golf shopping. He <laughs> <laughs> does all of those things with support workers. We chose to retire when we did and we came and set up without realising, you know, the diagnosis that was going to be made. I had an, We had an inkling that something was going on, but we set in, in motion the first year of our retirement, lots and lots of activities to see what we would continue in our retirement. So tennis, progress association, all sorts of involvement in the community, yoga, golf, all sorts of things. And because we'd done that that first year, we kind of settled into retirement and had a busy social life and busy activities. That then led to once the diagnosis was made and two years after diagnosis, we got an NDIS package to allow us to get some some paid support. And really how fortunate we were was that Rob was already doing a whole pile of stuff and the NDIS just came in on top of that and formalised the payment for those activities. Mm -hmm. So many of the people that were doing it as friends and, and buddies continued as friends and buddies, but then also some of them became paid support workers. And now what's happened over the years is some of those things are finished, like computer and cooking because that's too difficult for Rob with his motor planning and his memory. But a lot of those things, most of those things have continued. He has a really busy social life, really busy active life with both friends, family and paid support workers. And we have about 40 hours a week of support. What about your relationship now that you're also his main carer? 
Well, I think probably because we're still reveling in our retirement. You know, we've moved to the coast. Rob was a surfer, very spoiled his life and still is. Um, it's modified surfing, but it's surfing. Um, and we, we feel like we're in paradise and we, he talks about it every morning. So I think our relationship, um, the joy of our relationship is still there. Um, but probably, you know, it's shifted into a sort of more of my, my role is more of a carer now for sure. Um, and so the intimacy and the romance, et cetera, has changed, but it's still there. And it's particularly there in, with really small things where we can connect at a really um, small level. So Rob comes from a family um, of creatives and artistic people, which I don't. Um, and so his joy in colours and shapes and barks and trees and rocks um, I'm really trying to embrace um, and I'm getting better at it. Um, so he's still, um, we still share that on a, on a really, really um, caring, intimate level. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, this is such a great place and at the right time. We were very lucky. So, yeah. And otherwise it would be a different. Yeah, yeah we've, we've, we feel very, uh, very certain that we made a really, really good choice to leave Sydney and really certain that, we've made a really good choice to live right where we are in a small uh, regional community. So I think the satisfaction that comes with having made those good choices um, and good decisions at the right time, as Sue said, you know, we were able to do that before um, part of our planning. Um, and I think really, uh, you know, we're still uh, ha having a wonderful life, despite the fact that Rob's uh, Alzheimer's and dementia is, um, is kicking in. Sounds like he's not missing out on much at all. I love that. Sue, how much research has there been into what dementia is like for the person that has it? I know it can be tough on the loved ones that watch the changes, support the person, but what's it like for the person with dementia? I'm glad you asked that, Dan. Certainly in the research centre that I led a few years ago, um, people with dementia and their carers were absolutely central to what we did. And they said, this is what we want to know. This is, you know, these are the research questions. And it was really interesting because a, a few of them didn't really realise there was anything wrong, which was quite interesting. They didn't have that insight. Others knew they said from years before the diagnosis that their brain wasn't working properly. And they then pulled on all their resources to remain as happy as possible. And I listened to what Rob and Alison say and the way they have used, they've capitalised on the good things in their life, the surfing, the love of nature, living in a small community. And that's what people with dementia say to me. They want to be able to do that. Has it been thoroughly researched? I think the answer is no, although it's definitely happening. And we would love to know what goes on in the brain because everyone's different. As they say, if you've seen one person with Alzheimer's disease, you've seen one person with Alzheimer's disease because people experience it very, very differently. Often your underlying personality will come out. So if you've been a nice person, you actually become nicer, which sounds crazy, but you become caring and funny and happy, even if you don't remember what you had for breakfast or the name of the person. It's lovely that that happens. And I think that's what we have to emphasise when we talk to people with dementia. It's not all doom and gloom. It can be really funny. With my mum, her sense of humour came back after 
a while. And we can still, we still even now giggle about silly things like a dog with a with a hat on she looked at one the other day and just started laughing and I thought that part of you you're still mm. in there and I think mm. that's what's really important and I know people with dementia say to me remember what I'm like when you see me in three years because I really still am that person and I think that's that's certainly very touching and as someone that like me, I may end up with dementia. I've said that to all my family. Remember what I'm like um, because I'm still in there. It's interesting, Sue, you say that because one of the comments that people make to me and one of my, one of my friends said, you make sure you mention Rob's dry sense of humour that's still there. His sense of humour is absolutely there. Enthusiasm about doing things with people just has not changed. It absolutely hasn't changed. He's the most sociable, chatty person despite the fact he's aware that he's having difficulty with his language skills but he's it's persisting and and as is his sense of humor and it surprises us and makes us all laugh out loud that he sometimes comes out with the funniest things that he always did nice people get nicer and in rob's case creative people get more creative thank you rob and allison for taking us on that journey and sharing a bit of your story with us we appreciate it pleasure thank you dan thank you sue and professor sue curl thank you very much for sharing your expertise we've loved hearing from you today thanks dan thanks rob and allison pleasure thank you sue Thanks for helping us raise awareness and educate others about living with dementia. Be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. This has been a Newcastle Libraries Real Production.